Welcome back, everyone. This is Classic Homesteading Practices, and today we're going to be talking about my favorite topic, that is animal husbandry. And I can't help but say it, I am very excited to talk about this with you guys. This is a very close-to-my-heart subject. It is the most favorite subject when it comes to homesteading and just subjects in general. And I can't help, but every time when I start the subject with either talking to you right now or to people in my everyday life, it just hits nostalgia for when I had dairy goats. And the reason being is because they, and my chickens I should say too, definitely were the first self-sufficient, independent, full circle animal that gave me the knowledge towards animal husbandry. So let's start from there. What is animal husbandry? And that really is being able to own and raise, breed, and full circle the animal itself, which means just being able to have goats for generations, having chickens for generations, being able to take care of them and have their products fill your home. And the cycle doesn't stop. You will not need to purchase any more animals in order to keep your farm going, to keep the lines going. Now, there will be some times where you will want fresh blood um, so you do not have to worry about inbreeding and other uh, things like, for instance, in dairy cultivation when it comes to either cows or goats you'll want to do what is called breeding up where you want to have bigger udders or a show goat has nicer haunches or you know for a fact that the mother of the bloodline that you're going for kids two goat kids or two calves for a cow there are certain genetics that you're going to be looking for, so you would want to integrate it in there, but you do not need to. And that is, for me, the whole purpose of animal husbandry is becoming self-sufficient to the point where you do not need to go outside of your homestead. And it's a wonderful way to be able to have your own food know where it's coming from, know what's going into their bellies, know what the product is for you. And if you have an oversupply of it, you can make a lot of amazing things and then share it with your community. That is one of my favorite things about animal husbandry. But it all starts with study. It's making that waiting room a classroom as... Miss Jess from Roots and Refuge Farm says. And what that basically means is when you do not have a homestead or you are waiting to build your homestead, take this time to read books, to watch 
YouTube channels or documentaries on animals and animal husbandry. Make sure you listen to more podcasts than just mine about this. This is the time for you to get as much information as possible. So you can do what I did over a course of six years now and just eat all the information that you possibly can. So one day when you decide to have the animal of your choice, you can pick your flock, your, oh my goodness, the thought of having three or four goats and building your herd from there, or your cows, or your donkeys, let's even go with that, and just going from there and not having to worry about going outside of those parameters of being self-sufficient for generations of those animals or years, decades for you even. Being able to establish that herd, flock, and so forth. Now, for me, the first thing that you really need to think about is what are you looking for in your animal? And that could be what kind of products do you want from it? For me personally, in chickens, it was meat and eggs or a dual bird because I really enjoy chicken eggs, but I also want to have an animal that would be able to give us meat because I, I'm really independent. I don't like going into stores if I don't have to, especially big box stores. So if I can just find that one animal that does it all, that would be amazing. But for now, we just pick chickens. But if you just want them for eggs, you have chickens for that. If you just want them for meat, or more for meat, I should say, because all chickens do lay eggs, there are birds specifically for that as well, which is usually a meat bird or a Cornish game hen or a cross uh, of others, which I will be going in more depth on later in the podcast. Um, or in later seasons, I should say. So figure out what you want from your animal and then see what the needs of that animal are. You're going to need different feed for that animal. You're going to need different living situations for that animal. And you also need to see what the life expectancy is for that animal. And I'm going to go ahead and use chickens as an example because they're a very hardy animal, but depending on how you want to raise them for either meat or eggs or both depends on their living situation. Their living situation is going to be very different. And also, depending on where you're at, whether you're up in the north, down in the south, or in the Midwest. Also, you could be somewhere in Spain, which is really hot, or up in England, where it's foggy and cold and rainy a good chunk of the year. And again, it just all depends on where you're at and what you want from your animals. So, first, we need to make sure that we know what our bird is. For me, we'll put the example in of uh, a dual bird. For that, I'm probably going to be getting a brown egg layer, 
because usually a brown egg laying chicken is going to be a heftier bird. It is going to have more meat on them because they are going to be more acclimated to northern climates. When you have a northern climate bird, they're going to be a little bit more stout. They're going to have a bit more meat on them and they're going to lay uh, a little bit less of eggs. Sometimes they will lay um, around 250 to 300. Sometimes they'll lay around 250 to 200. It all depends on the breed that you decide to get. And again, you need to figure out, are you going to be laying your round or are you going to be laying just once? The summer is over and winter you'll let them molt. So you need to take all of those factors into consideration. Now, you've done all your studying, you're ready to put up the infrastructure, you've figured out how many chickens you want. Well, let's see. If you're going to be doing a dual bird where you're going to be having eggs and meat, we'll make it so the roosters are the meat birds and the girls are the layers. You're going to have two different feeds and you're going to have two different setups because you're going to make sure that your girls are fed so that they can lay properly and their eggs always come out well. And then you're going to be feeding the boys, the roosters, to fatten up and fatten up quickly so they'll be ready for slaughter within six weeks. So, you will have a higher density protein crumble for your boys and usually we in the north make a hot mash because we circulate boys in the winter um, and all the way up year round. Personally I do not like doing winter boys just because it takes a lot more energy to get fat on them because they're so cold their metabolism just hits and you're wasting feet at that point. So if you want fat chickens, you're going to make sure to do them spring through summer and then stop around fall. Just a tip. And again, that is part of animal husbandry. You need to find that fine balance of when you should start a product and stop it. And then for a girl, you would feed them a different kind of feed entirely. You would put them on a 20% protein, which is about 10% less than a meat bird feed. You would give them oyster shell. So the calcium that they need for making their eggshells is always readily available for them. And you would like to give them a healthy variety of grasses and lettuce. Something that is fun that you can do is build a garden for them in their run or giving them free range of the lawn because it adds nutrition to their diet, which goes into the egg. And the really fun thing that you can do is go to your local farmer's market where you have a free ranger, buy those eggs, and then go to the store and then buy those eggs. Crack one of each, and you will see the difference in the yolk. Now, most people believe that it's a nutrition factor, that the yolk is yellow because there's less nutrition than an orange yolk, and it's not really the case. It's just because one has uh, 
more of a different diet versus a chicken that has just one simple grain. Usually it's corn that is used for a grain in a big box chicken outfit. Now, that doesn't say or doesn't mean really that the chicken doesn't get the nutrition that it needs. It just means that usually it's one thing that it's eating instead of a variety of foods or they have more protein. It just all depends on what the chicken is eating in order to get that orange yolk, that rich yolk. And I will say this, it was very, very interesting the first time I tried an orange yolk. There is a lot more flavor in it than a yellow yolk. Now, I have had people say that it is not that different, but that's okay. It only matters to me, right? And it's also better on the feed bill, which is something else that you need to figure out in animal husbandry. What are some things that you can supplement in their diet to make it more sustainable for you and also just easier for you in the long run when you're having all these chickens? All right, now that we've figured out whether you want a dual bird, a meat bird, the food that they need, now you need to think about breeding the breed stock because one, unfortunately, your girls aren't going to last forever, especially if you're going to be breeding or having them lay eggs year round. They're going to last about two years and then they're just going to be done. Now, if you do what I do, and that is let your girls molt and only lay eggs about eight months out of the year. I like to give them a reprieve in the wintertime just so that they can have a healthy cycle. They last five to seven years, which is insane. A lot of people don't know that chickens naturally, without predatory, well, them getting picked off by predators, they live for a long time. They can live up to 15 years. It's amazing. But we really don't think about it because most people who are farming for eggs are doing it year-round. So they only see a chicken usually for two, maybe three years. Though, if you're a big box place or a giant chicken factory, you usually just keep them for the first year, year and a half, because after that, egg production does go down. But in all honesty, it's not that big of a difference. You might have four eggs instead of five eggs a week. Or instead of that double layer that you got super lucky with, only gives you one egg a day now. So... It all depends, again, on what you want to do with your birds. But back to what I was trying to tell you, breeding. You need to specifically put out a point when you want to breed your birds, whether you want them to be on the clutch or incubate. I personally like incubation. It's way less uh, stress on off the bird than having them lay on it because Mother hens do not get off their nests unless they know that they have a moment to eat or drink. Their feathers will come off of them. They lose so much weight. 
and it's just because they're trying to keep their clutch warm so they can hatch the eggs. So if you do have the ability to have an incubator, one, it'll save your hens in the long run, and two, if you have kids, it is the funnest thing for them to watch and to see. Now, there are some breeds of birds that are very broody. You have Orpingtons and Silkies amongst those that are very, very broody. Um, and other ones that are just not broody at all. Morons aren't very broody. Um, a lot of white egg layers are not broody. But again, it all depends on how you wish to do that. And then, of course, making sure when your eggs hatch, you have the ability to raise them in the coop. Or, excuse me, I was shifting. Or you have the ability to raise them as freshly hatched chicks and then being able to integrate them into your coop in the long run. Now, going back a little bit into the fertilization of eggs. You need to make sure that you have a rooster amongst your hens. Usually one rooster per 10 girls is great. Um, You can get away with one rooster for 12. So if you just want to do a small flock or a medium-sized flock, one boy will get it done. Now, I have said in the past that usually one boy for eight and six are good. I will say again that though, A rooster can fertilize a lot of girls, but the potential for an unfertilized egg uh, or a few unfertilized eggs does become more prominent the more girls that are in his flock. So again, if you just want to reduce the error of having an unfertilized egg, keep one rooster to every six to eight girls, or just make sure that your ten girls always come back inside and you have properly seen copulation for uh, the females that you're going to be getting the eggs from. Also, you need to decide which hens you're going to be using. You have the ability to choose your girls and also breed traits in and out that you want. I myself love to do this. And the reason being is because when you find either purebred or mixed breed chickens and they have a trait that you want, it doesn't take very long for you to breed it into that bird. Like for instance, if you want to have a beautiful green egg, taking an Easter egger or an Americana and a black copper moran and breeding those two, that brown and yellow gene produces a green egg. And you can do this with many different brown layers and blue layers. Or you can have olive eggers that are already laying green eggs and play with it from there. So, a whiting true green that already has a green egg, and an Americana that lays a vibrant blue egg. Crossing those can give you one of two things. It can give you a lighter green or a darker blue. 
and you can just keep playing around with your egg genetics through those means, which is one of the very fun parts of being, uh, oh, sorry, in doing animal husbandry. Just being able to play around with that, finding genetics that you want, whether it's making a bird bigger, having eggs being bigger, having eggs being more colorful in one way or another, is all part of animal husbandry. And of course, whether or not you want to make your meat uh, chickens, those genetics more prominent in a certain breed, or again, the egg laying genes more prominent. There are some breeders who have made a beautiful chicken that lays 350 days out of the year, but is also a beautiful meat bird. And the reason why they did this was because they wanted a dual bird, even if it wasn't purebred. They wanted that dual bird that could do it all. And they took two different breeds. They took an Americana and a Rhode Island Red, bred them together, and now you have a green egg-laying humongous meat bird that can, again, give you eggs 350 days out of the year. And that is, again, just one example of what you can do with good animal husbandry skills. And again, it all comes with just learning. So let me make sure I have done the checklist right. We have gone from studying to infrastructure, figuring out what you want from your animals, and putting that into skill through learning their feed of choice, their environment of choice, how you can use animal husbandry to make an animal more favorable to what you want it through egg laying or meat uh, production. And then, of course, just establishing the way that you want to keep breeding your animals. And you can play around with this in any way possible, self-sufficiently, through a very long period of time. And again, you can do this with any animal. This is how we have gotten animals to look and produce certain things throughout a period of time. That's how we went from jerseys to miniature jerseys when it comes to cows. That is how we've gone from, well, donkeys to miniature donkeys, and so on and so forth. It has all been selective breeding that has gotten us here, and that is animal husbandry. All right, everyone. This is a bit shorter than I usually do, but I'd love to leave you at this point. I really hope that I could hear from you. If any of you are listening to this uh, and you see a description below this, there should be a link to my Anchor podcast where you can leave me a voice message. And you can also look at other uh, episodes from this. I hope you guys are enjoying this, and I hope to catch you on the last episode of the season next week, hopefully. 
I may have to postpone it a little bit later. I am moving states with my husband, unfortunately. Um, so it might be pushed out to two weeks, but we are going to be talking about the last skill that I have for you, which is gardening. And it is going to be a very long episode. I might have to do two parts, but we shall see. All right. I hope everyone is having a wonderful day and I hope it stays that way. I'll see you again. Bye.